We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Light Years, everyone. Uh, we got a coming off of a big win versus the Rockets today, and I guess we got to start with the big news here: Steph Curry, tailbone contusion. It is officially butt watch around the Bay Area. Will he be okay? Will he pay on front? No. Um, uh, Neil, what were your thoughts when uh, when you saw Steph go down, and what are your thoughts now? Well, so like I obviously. I don't think I don't know if anyone saw it like when it actually happened. I maybe I was looking down, but like I saw it sort of as they're coming out of the commercial break, and I saw him stumble a bit. I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be like way worse. And then he sort of fell, and like you know, I think a lot of people have experienced that kind of injury. It's just it's a, not a good feeling, and um, like tail tailbone contusion doesn't sound too bad. I mean, hopefully, you know, he, I'm guessing he might miss the next game. I think it's against Memphis, but. Um, yeah, I mean, they have just, a back-to-back against yeah. Memphis, so... Right, yeah. So I'm honestly just glad it, it wasn't worse, because I feel like with this team's injury luck over the last few years, it could have been, like, a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it doesn't sound like it's serious. It's it's a bruise. Um, it's a bruise in a very uncomfortable spot, so there's always that. But all things considered, not a serious injury. You know what? I, I feel like maybe they should just forfeit every game in Houston going forward because just good <laughs> things do not happen to them in Houston. Like they may have ruined the Rockets franchise and be the reason why James Harden is no longer a rocket, but the Rockets get their vengeance with these freak occurrences. Yeah. And I honestly, with the foul, with the foul, like or the free throw disparity, I, it seemed like the refs were making up for the alleged missed calls that the Rockets were complaining about in what, 2018? <laughs> like, I like that. It was, it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, it is. It is what it is. Um, 
So I, the, the Rockets are in a deep rebuild, and I don't even know that there's too much to talk about in this game that's, like, super pertinent about the game. Um, Steph didn't shoot the ball particularly well. I'd never really worry about that. Like, sometimes it's a bad shooting night. It happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that big story of tonight's game is Jordan Poole. For sure. Absolutely. Another Nine. big night for him, 23 points, 8 for 16, 6 for 11 from 3. Uh, to my knowledge, six threes is his record. And I think we're reaching a point where I think we can officially say he's a player and he needs to have consistent rotation minutes. Like it's no longer a question of like, is it the matchup? But it's more like, where can we get him into the rotation every game? So he's he's officially um He's starting to come around. I don't know if I'm jumping the gun a little bit. We're talking about like three good games in a week, but you know, it's good. We, we've been questioning the Warriors ability to draft and develop. Um, I would call him a win for their scouting department. If he does turn into a consistent player. No, totally agree. Totally agree. And like, no, like, yeah, it's been what three games, but I think that there, there's just been some really promising signs. Like his shooting is obviously like way better. Like last year he was in like the twenties and it was terrible. And, he was like arguably one of the worst players in the league, but like in college, I was looking at his college stats and like, he was, I think like a 35% three point shooter, something like 37. that. So, 37. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, like you, you kind of expected at least if anything, the three point shooting would get better, which it has this year. And also his playmaking ability, which looks pretty good um, when he's given like, you know, more time to play. And like, there were a couple of times today where he was, just driving to the basket, like blowing by people, getting layups, and no, it's it's been really promising. And it was funny. I've been I just I've been getting ready for March Madness this weekend. I was coming back and watching like that game winner he hit over uh, against uh, University of Houston. I think a couple of years ago. So I think he was just channeling that energy today um, against the Houston Rockets. So yeah, yeah. my yeah. my scouting report on him coming in was he was always. I mean, he's a heat check guy. Let's be. Let's yeah, be sure. honest about it. Like the most likely outcome for him is I'm not saying he'll be as good as Jamal Crawford or Lou Williams or Jordan Clarkson, but like that type of player where you're like instant offense off the bench can score 20 points in 10 minutes, can take the game over, can do all, you know, just the quintessential six man of the, what you think of when you think of a six man. And I feel like that's something that the Warriors haven't had. Um, and it's not really something they needed when they had Kevin Durant, to be honest. Like when you have Durant, Steph, and Clay, you don't necessarily need right. a six man. You just need to stagger them a little bit. Right. But uh, it would be useful for this team. And it's kind of something Steve Kerr's never had to work with because he's not really into those type of players. I think that gets kind of undersaid a little bit, but he does not like one way heat check guys. He wants two way fundamentally sound players. And right. That's probably part of the the reason it's been hard for Jordan Poole to get on the floor. But the way Jordan Poole is playing, we've reached the Steve. I don't care what you like portion yeah, of you got, you got development where he has to yeah. where he has to play. Yeah, yeah, you got to play him. Um, I, I mean, clearly the I think the G League bubble probably helped too. Um, you know, at least you know give him some confidence, like getting you know playing well, getting numbers against um you know against those teams. So you know he, he's I think. You know, yeah, you, you, you got to play him on, like until unless he like regresses, which you know I really hope he doesn't. But um, you know, you, you got to keep playing him because 
what he's putting up right now, it's it's really promising for a guy who, you know, people were pretty down on um, last year. And even I think even in the night he was picked, like people were like, oh, you know, he was a reach, you know, could have had other people. But no, this is, it's great. It's, it's good to see. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think the real sign will be when the shooting gets cold, like he's going yeah. to inevitably go through a bad shooting spell, um, unless anyone here thinks he's a 60% three-point shooter, in which case he's the best player in the NBA. So that's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, he's probably going to go through a spell where he's, you know, the same way we saw Steph tonight, not hitting the three-pointer. Like, at some point, Jordan Poole's going to go through a spell where he has, like, consistent one for five from three nights, like, five games in a row. Will Kerr still stick with him? Will they still let him play through it? Because that's the mark of when you're in the rotation. Like Steve Kerr isn't pulling Steph Curry because he has a couple bad shooting nights because it's just assumed. So that's where, that's what I want to see. But at this point, I think you kind of have to play him. And I think you have to figure out what you want to do around him. Like if Nico Mannion starts playing worse and you don't want him in the rotation, you have to see what it looks like when you slide pool over to point guard and put Damian Lee next to him or something along that capacity. Because at this point, Jordan Poole's too good to not be in the ro- They're not deep enough to, to not have him in the rotation. Yeah. It's not, it's not like they have like a bunch of savvy vets that they can like, you know, fall back on or like have the excuse to be like, Oh, well, you know, we have other guys who can, you know, just take over if Jordan Poole's, playing or you know Jordan Poole is playing bad like they don't have that excuse um it's not it's not the Warriors teams of 2015 and 2019 it's not 2017 anymore it's guys. not 2017 no I feel like that's the that's motto my... of this podcast for, yeah. for this season yeah. a lot of guys it's yeah. not 2017 yeah. anymore as much as as much as that team was just great and fun to watch it's a new day it is a new day yeah. all right I got um sorry I have a special guest coming on who's going to uh, probably irritate half the Warrior fans, but his app isn't working. Maybe maybe that's an omen that I shouldn't have Rocket fans on. But, uh, but you know what? We're going to give it a shot. We're going we're gonna to let Roosh try to explain himself whenever he gets his computer up and running. Uh, until then, is there anything else from tonight's game you want to talk about? Is there anything else that's particularly – like? I'm I'm a little annoyed we didn't get to see Oladipo just because you know he's right. He was, I, he was he's gonna get tra- yeah. he's gonna get traded. Gonna and get traded. Yeah. whether the Warriors trade for him or not, like we'll see. But it would have been yeah. something worth monitoring. They're not playing him in back to backs. They're 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 using the please don't get hurt before the trade de- deadline approach with him. Right. So. Yeah. You know, we can we can get into that with Roosh, who's watched all his games this year. Otherwise, Christian Wood came back, and I do think Christian Wood is someone that we should uh we should maybe use as a reference point for Wiseman. I think Wiseman's more talented than Christian Wood, but like the way Christian Wood plays is similar to how I want Wiseman to play. He likes it fly a little bit. Yeah. Totally. Three. Um yeah. tonight he only took one three, but it was first game off of an injury. A yeah. little more smooth, a little more athletic. Not yeah. not more athletic, a little more in control is the better way to put it. Then he's got like, yeah, he was taking those like step back jumpers, contested jumpers, like you know, it, it seems like he has just more of a confidence to take that shot. And I really hope that James Wiseman gets to that point because like he can he's I mean he's shown it's not like he's not like he's taking a ton of threes, but like this season in that span he's he's hit like a good percentage of threes and it's clearly a shot he can hit and continue to get better at if he works on, it. just works on it. And I really just hope he continues to do that. Um, 
because that's huge um, for his development. Because like if he's developing his handle a little bit, um, and if he's struggling on the defensive end, I think like getting better offensive numbers will just give him more confidence. And it is worth not noting he is seven years older than James Wiseman, so. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of the hope that he starts mirroring that style of play in the future. But um, it's just a good reference point because there's not a lot of players in the NBA who, when I say, like, I want James Wiseman to play like him, there's not a lot of guys like that. Like, I don't think it does him any good to be like, he should play like Embiid. Like, well, he's, you know, he's not 280 pounds and built like Embiid. It's not really a fair comp, but like, kind of a skinny ultra athletic big who can play inside and out like that is kind of someone that matches the James Wiseman build and kind of someone you should look at to, for him to mirror, you know, like we've mentioned Chris Bosch or Anthony Davis. And like, those are very pie in the sky, but same concept. Yep. Totally. Totally agree. All right, Neil, appreciate you now. Without further ado, bring on top three Warriors Twitter's most hated people. Um, but, you know, with the, uh, with the Persian New Year coming around and, uh, you know, I got I to show a little love. Roosh, how you doing, man? Yo, man. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Always a blast. I know uh, a bunch of people are listening who may or may not hate me, may or may not know anything about me, and may or may not be blocked so i apologize in advance but i come in peace it's all love <laughs> the mentions just are keep saying oh for 27 so <laughs> that's that's the love you're gonna get right now oh my god i see it 27 chain 27 oh god yeah hey we deserve it we can talk all that i would i'll happily talk all that um whatever you want man but thanks for having me dude absolutely so i i feel like this game was a little bit of a letdown from a just storyline perspective because like I was excited to see Wiseman go against Christian Wood just because like I think Christian Wood is uh, a player he should model his game after in terms of like similar skill set like obviously one's 19 and one's 26 and then uh, on the Rocket side you know it it seems like the Rockets are going to trade Oladipo so I was excited to watch him and that didn't happen so I guess I want to start with this. Do you think Oladipo is getting traded? And where are you with him as a player overall? Because I know he's had kind of a rough go of it, but he's been there also two months max. Yeah. Uh, is he going to get traded? I don't know. Are they trying to trade him? Yes. Um, it's just a matter of, I mean, it, you know, if you really got to be a team that thinks that Victor Oladipo is going to get you over the hump this season, or you have to think that you really want him long-term he's a good player. You know, it's not like he's a bad player. He's, he's got a lot of good things about him. He's definitely not a number one on a, on a contender. And he's not a number two on a contender, in my opinion, on a true, true contender. He might be like a number two on like a, you know, five seed. Um, he plays good defense, but honestly, man, his handle is really loose. Uh, he gets ripped from the back a lot. He loses the ball driving through traffic a lot more than I thought. Um, Cause I don't, you know, religiously right, watch He'd be perfect for the Warriors. Steve Curl never let him dribble, so don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, one thing he's, he is good at, surprisingly, is um, catching and shooting. He's got a, a solid catch-and-shoot stroke. His shot off the dribble is shaky. I think he's got a decent mid-range game, not like a traditional pull-up mid-range game, but he can kind of get into the middle of the floor, contort his body, and finish in different ways. He has decent touch, you know, do like some fadeaway, little things like that. But he doesn't do them enough. Um, and he's just not that big, man. You know, 6'4". Uh, you know, he's like a quick, fast twitch guard, but 
like I said, he's got the loose handle. So yeah, he's fine. I mean, I wouldn't, sorry. I was going to say, do you think he's fully physically back? Because I, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I've like watched a little rockets here or there, but your, your guy's season isn't high on my league pass <laughs> list. Um, so I haven't watched every game. To me, he looks like he's physically back to kind of the player he was before the injuries. Like, you know, we we say maybe he's at skill decline or he's not like mentally back the full way, but he doesn't look like he's lost a step. He, I mean, in terms of quickness, he hasn't. He's, he's still got an incredible first step. I think what's bothering him right now that does contribute to some of his like shittier performances is, uh, is he's got trouble pushing off. I think it's his thigh uh, or his upper leg. He's just got trouble. Like when he gets there to the, to the cup, he's had difficulty finishing. I don't know the numbers, but just, just off the eye test, it has not been pretty him finishing at the rim. And I think it's because he can't get that last lift. Um, I can't, so, yeah, I was, I noticed that actually when I was watching one of the games and I couldn't tell if that was a physical thing or a, I was just injured for a very long time and I don't want to, you know, go through contact the way I used to. Like, you know, the, the mental hurdle, like every player who's been injured knows it. Like the, the final mental hurdle is dealing with, with contact because you're worried about getting re-injured and it shows up in like ways where you, you kind of shy up from contact subconsciously. Right. So I was just, yeah, that's no, that's a, that's a really good point. Honestly, it's a really practical like point. You know, a lot of it is mental. If, if anyone has ever had like a serious injury, no matter whether you're an NBA player or just an average Joe, like it, it really messes with your head. So it could be that, um, just, just off watching. It's tough for me to tell, but it's definitely, there's definitely an issue there. He definitely, when he gets to the rim, he is not finishing well and he's not like, sometimes he's got the burst. So I, maybe it is more mental. Maybe he's just scared. Cause he does have moments where he like gets up and, you know, finishes with authority, but I got it. Okay. Do you think the Rockets are going to do, I mean, they trade PJ Tucker today. Everyone saw that coming. Um, maybe not to this destination, but it was clear he was going to get moved on to someone contending. Uh, do you think they're going to do anything else other than chop Oladipo between now and the deadline? I'm trying, like they're obviously trying to build for the future. Uh, they have a couple nice pieces for the future, but um, anyone else? Man, I think anyone other than uh, Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood, pretty much those. Uh, I think anyone other than Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood, and may- maybe Jay Sean Tate um, can get traded. Anyone else. John Wall, Oladipo. I think they want to shop Macklemore. I think they should shop Macklemore. Just get anything you can because he's expiring um, and he's not coming back and he's not not worth minutes on this team. Um but yeah, anyone else, man? I mean, Sterling Brown might, I think, is getting a lot of interest from contenders. Um, Daniel House is on a friendly contract. He's like a decent, you know, three off the bench. It's a rotation I, player. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I, I think if they could trade John Wall, they would, although he might get his knee scoped. Um, I think if they could trade rough. Depot, they would. Yeah. yeah. Su- super rough. But yeah, so that's where they're at. You, you guys win. Warriors win. We are defeated. Yeah, let's so let's let's get into that because like I mean we can talk about the Rockets and Warriors and this season context was kind of boring. Um I want to get back to the glory days because like I, I've just been thinking about it as much as Warriors Cavs was a fun rivalry and there's uh, no love loss among Warrior fans with regards to LeBron and Cleveland or whatever team he's run to next. Um I do feel like authentically the Rockets were kind of a, a more hated rival. It was a little more fun there. Um, 
And so let's, and to me, it's because it was such an ideological battle, right? Like any way you slice it, uh, Daryl Morey, Morey ball threes, you know, kind of spacing revolution, how I'll let you describe it the way you want. And then you have Steve Kerr, who, uh, basically the complete opposite, just a believer in ball movement, old school, um, just all the fundamentals. I mean, the guy would, if he could, he would, he would just get so excited if the Warriors never dribbled the ball in a single game and everything <laughs> was just, everything was just bounce passes, chest passes and backdoor cuts. Like that's his dream. So <laughs> I feel like that was always like the fun of the rivalry, like beyond the fact that like they were evenly matched for a while. And from a Warriors perspective, beyond the fact that the Warriors always won, um, it, it was fun from like an ideological perspective. It was. Um, and I will say, so I think that's, I think that's what made the Warriors so special, man. Like, because you can do all the spreadsheet basketball that the Rockets did. And no matter what anyone says, it, it was going to work. But they got unfortunate with an injury, and it is what it is. But that is conversely also why when KD went down, well, first of all, it's why the Rockets were able to push the Warriors with KD there because they right. were able to use their style to kind of dictate the pace, and they took the magic out of the Warriors' offense. Because, dude, basketball – we could sit here and talk fucking VORP and all this stuff all day, all night. I don't give a shit. At the end of the day, if you've ever competed at like a just a you know open gym level, you already know that some teams win because they have chemistry. And getting chemistry is this like fleeting thing that no one really knows how to do because there's no way to do it. You just have to feel it. Rhythm and chemistry. And the Warriors' rhythm and chemistry between Steph and Clay and like when they get to moving and catching and shooting, and then you have Draymond as the backbone. Uh, to facilitate and anchor the defense and who can also in his prime was able to do enough creating and scoring to make them pretty much unstoppable. Um, so it, it was crazy, right? Cause the only way the Rockets were able to, to beat the Warriors was by grinding them to a halt, which is what they were doing anytime they won. And then KD goes down and you're no longer able to grind them to a halt. It, it was almost like KD was the gift and the curse in that specific matchup. Cause he's so good. He can bury you, but he's also, he can also have like uh, an inefficient night, and he's taking shots away from Steph and he's taking the movement away because he's just going ISO on the high post, you know? So it, it was always a battle, man. And and it sucks that Chris Paul got hurt. I, I just, even, I think the Rockets would have won it and I've argued this to the bone, but I just wish we could have seen it for both sides to not even have to deal with like, yeah, well, I, I thought that I thought the A's would have beat the Yankees if Jeremy Giambi slid and that was 20 years ago. So, you know, we all, <laughs> we all have our things. We, we hang our hat on, but, yeah. um, no, you're right. Like that was um, the Rockets really spent two years trying to come up with a style that irritated the Warriors to death. And I mean, they were as close as anyone. Like you can say what you want, but they were the team that got closest to beating the the uh, the Kevin Durant Warriors, right? Yeah. And they do deserve some credit for that on some level. Um, what I think is interesting is so we talked about this on the last locker room podcast. Um, and you weren't on this one, but the Warriors, there are a lot of people in the Warriors feel that their offense needs to evolve and take more of a Mori ball approach. And, um, and that's just kind of like you, they just need to shoot more threes. They need to generate more shots at the rim and worry less about the aesthetic of how they get there. And Steve Kerr is still just a traditionalist at his core. He's always going to be, he does not believe in that. He thinks like, you have to play the game purely and what comes of it will. In my opinion, I think the interesting thing is that 
you know, the Warriors never beat or the Rockets never beat the Warriors, but in some ways the the Rockets kind of won the war because more teams are copying the Rockets style than are copying the Warriors style. I never thought of that. That's actually really interesting. I do see everyone clowning me, so I will address guys. This is the crazy part about this whole rivalry. I just spent, in my opinion at least, I just spent a lot of time talking about how special Golden State is. <laughs> like they are they were special. Steph Curry, dude. I'm 5'11". The only way I've made my way hooping on courts with anyone respectable is by pulling threes from like wild range because that's all I could do. Like Steph Curry is, I lo- he's a phenomenon. I love his game. Okay. Let's, don't get that twisted. Klay Thompson's release, beautiful, dude. I love Klay Thompson on and off the court. So don't get it twisted. But um, five minutes does not make up for five years of slander. You got to, you, you got to. <laughs> You got to ignore him a little bit and just, just plug into the conversation. Block this Persian. That's hilarious. All right, I guess. So I'm not comparing myself to Steph. Okay, anyway, so the point is um, it's crazy because the Rockets had to build, like, that machine to irritate the Warriors. But again, man, like, I don't believe, because you're talking about Kerr trying to fit his roster into a certain way that he believes should, should be played, right? And the Rockets, on the flip side, they brought people in you know, to fit the system, three and D, catch and shoot, whatever. And at the end of the day, what pissed me off about the Rockets, which it sounds like is pissing Warriors fans off about the Warriors this season, is trying to, you know, fit guys that, trying to fit guys into like a box, you know? Um, right. Instead of taking like their talents and then working with it. And again, that's what made Golden State so special because you didn't say, okay, we got Steph and we got Clay. We're going to make, we're going to run a pick and roll and kick and block. I don't know. They just moved the ball and played to their strengths. And then sometimes, you know, they, they just improvised and like played off the rhythm and the chemistry. There was no method there. Was, I'm sorry. There was a method to the madness, but it was controlled. And like, it was a blend of science and art, math and art, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's the, so the Rockets with James Harden requesting a trade, you guys are basically a full rebuild kind of tank for Cade, see, see what you can find in terms of players and, you know, see what happens in a couple of years, right. When, when it all kind of gets built up again, the warriors are in a different position where Steph is still very much one of the best players in the league. Obviously clays out for the year, but they're, you know, the, the chapter is not closed. It is in the sense of this roster isn't winning anything that matters, but like Steph Curry is still very much a player who can be part of a contender who can win anything and is trying to figure out where the Warriors go from here. And I think that's what's leading to most of this frustration because it's like they don't have Andre Godal anymore. Like part of that beauty of the Warriors, which you were speaking about, um, was chemistry built of playing together five, six, seven years. You know, um, Iguodala, Sean Livingston, both gone. One's retired, one is kind of semi-retired in Miami and comes out of retirement every couple months to play a good game. Um, you know, Kevin Durant's obviously gone. Clay is hurt. Draymond is in a different, you know, phase of his career. And it's kind of trying to figure out where the Warriors go from here. And I guess from your outsider's perspective, I'd ask you that. What what should the Warriors do right now? You're looking at them. You know how expensive their cap sheet is. You, you it kind of sucks that we didn't get to watch James Wiseman today, but he's had an up and down rookie year. He looks like a rookie. They're kind of in a weird spot. Yeah, they are, man. And it's almost, so I'm going to plug my podcast here. I just interviewed Robert Covington. So look out for that. Go to Apple podcast, Noble and Roos show hosted by Baller's life. But I bring that up because I was talking to Covington about 
how he came to Houston and it was like this weird experiment. And then he got shipped off ASAP. Right. And I was asking him, like, were you expecting to run it back? And he, he was like, yeah, yeah. I thought we were going to run it back. And I bring that up to say, you know, I feel like if Clay comes back next year and is not himself, I feel like it's going to be, there's going to be some revolving questions around like, yo, what do we do? What are we supposed to do? And I feel like it could, I don't want to say spell the beginning of the end. I think that's dramatic, but it could really raise some serious questions, right? Draymond aging, uh, Clay, not himself, Steph exiting, not exiting his prime. He's still in his prime, but you know, on the lower, whatever ladder end of his prime, um, unless he keeps it up for three, four years, who knows, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, but even if he keeps it up for three, four years, if, if his supporting cast is kind of the five point per game version of Draymond and a version of clay who no longer can play 30 minutes a game, it's not the same thing. Right. And, and, and so I was going to say, and I think that's been the question that we've seen this year is that we didn't see last year. Cause Steph was also out is what does Steph look like? Like, what does a team around Steph look like without clay? Like what does Batman look like without Robin? You know, it's weird. Cause they, they're, to me, they're just joined at the hip. Um, and Clay is like the perfect teammate and such a good player, both, both ways. Right. Um, that it's like, what, what do you do without him? So this year they try Wiggins and Ubre, and obviously they're not talented enough to, to really get to Steph's level. So, you know, I think they'd have to bring in another star because that's the trend of the NBA. I just don't right. know who that would be. You know, what about maybe a Zach Levine? I mean, that would just be offensive. It wouldn't do anything for the team's like overall success, but. Well, I think that's where we're at with it too, which is like, okay, so they, they lucked into, you know, the one good thing about Steph getting hurt last year was they got a number two pick. James Wiseman, he's young, but sky's, sky's the limit in terms of his potential. And they have this Wolves pick, which, you know, it may or may not convey this year, but as of right now, 60% chance it conveys at four or five. So that adds another young piece. And that's, that's where the question is. Do they try to ride it out and develop Wiggins and whoever they draft? Jonathan Kuminga, what, you know, whatever it may be um, at that I would, position. I would not or, give it to Wiggins. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think so. Or do they try to just go all in, put those two and just the next disgruntled player. Um, maybe it's Bradley Beal, although he's showing no signs wants to be him. Maybe it's Zach Levine. Maybe Chicago's like, uh, he's probably going to walk in free agency. They just well, go I'm, all in. Um, that's kind of the decision they have to make as it is right now. It's just kind of like, it's a holding pattern. And that's why like my main focus is like, you need to get James Wiseman better because that opens up your options, whether it's him as that new star or him being the guy you trade for that new star. Well, I think, I think you're right. And I think it becomes a question of how they want, like Steph Curry is what, probably the most beloved warrior of all time. Yes. Uh, not a question. Yes. Not a question. Okay. That's what I figured. Sorry. I'm, I'm not from the Bay. So I'm just making sure I worked in the Bay for a summer. Shout out to the Bay. But, um, so greatest warrior of all time. We just saw what happened to the second greatest rocket of all time. He exited, they, they played the gotta win now, you know, plug in superstars doesn't work. Try another one. And it obviously didn't work. And we saw how like tumultuous the exit was. That type of pressure is not on the Warriors because y'all have won three championships. Um, right. But, but uh, it, I think it becomes a question of, because if you go all in and it's ugly and it doesn't work, that begins to expedite the end, right? It's like you can see the writing on the that, wall. That is the fear. If they trade Wiseman and the Wolves pick for the wrong player, then all of a sudden it's like, you know, shit. 
what right. what, a, what, what, what we, don't, we really don't have any other moves here so like yeah. the rockets they traded capella for covington and like it was cool but after that i think they just looked at things and realized we don't really have room for improvement and harden wants out so yeah do you do that and just go all in doesn't work and then the exit like doesn't match the good times and it's this weird contrast or do you try to ride it out and like do what they used to do, right? Which was ride out the ride out like the old vets and stars and just keep going until it doesn't work, right? Like Malone and Stockton kept going. You know, the Sonics had their core, like whatever. Just ride these guys until they're vets and then Which is super rare in today's NBA, by the way. It is. It is. But I think it would be as a as a like someone who doesn't have a bias or interest in it, I would like to see the latter. Unless it works. If it works, that'd be great because like Steph Curry's fun basketball no matter how you slice it. Um, but if it, if they were to like go all in and fail, I feel like that wouldn't – I mean what, what they did for basketball, Steph's, Steph specifically, I just feel like it would be weird if he had one of those like awkward exits in another jersey type thing, you know? Like I, I think he's one of the last – Yeah, we don't need him to do the uh, Olajuwon in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, the, the Ewing in Seattle. Yeah, it would be cool if he – Cause he's like one of the last of those types, right? Like the Dirks, the Kobe's, you know, one franchise whole time, get them the ring right off into the sunset. Like that's what he deserves. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know, there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. To me. Yeah, I agree. And I think every Warrior fan would rather be watching mediocrity with Steph in the latter years than watch him go try to chase a ring at age 37 in Miami. So, Dude, look, take it from – if y'all want to rag on me, if you want to continue to rag on me, take it from a Rockets fan. Enjoy my pain. Watching Harden ball out in Brooklyn straight up sucks. It just sucks. (laughs) It just sucks. You know, you don't want to see that. It just sucks. So – Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash lightyears now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S.-licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash lightyears and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. 
complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LightYears and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash LightYears. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. All right, let's let's open this up to some questions. Maybe maybe we, you can win them over yeah, yeah. over time there. Let's see. Let's oh, got my man Ant right here. Ant, what's going on, man? Man, when are y'all gonna free my guy, man? Oh, Jordan Poole. Free him. When are you gonna free him? I mean, we're calling for it too. You missed it while I was talking about it before you came on here, but. This seems to be kind of Steve Kerr's blind spot. Steve Kerr hates players who are kind of freelance. I mean, he, he you got to let Jordan Poole play free, right? You got to kind of deal with the fact that he's going to take a couple dumb shots. He might turn it over trying something. Uh, and you know the type of coach Steve Kerr is. You didn't have to play for him. You know what type of coach he is. Like, right. he's having such a hard time dealing with the fact that, you know, Jordan Poole's just kind of got a different mentality towards basketball than the Andre Godalas, Draymond Greens, and kind of the players that have been traditionally associated with the Warriors over the years. The one thing I will say is he's now just playing at a level where like Steve can't do anything about it. Like you're really going to bench him when he's going six for 11 from three and just kind of making whatever <laughs> yeah, he wants. Right. Like, what are you doing, man? It's wild. So look from an, from an outsider, I have to ask you this. Um, did GSW's roster mask a lot of Kerr's deficiencies to the point where he did he never was able to work on those deficiencies due to how good his roster was? You know what? I actually I was posing this question to someone. So like everyone loves to talk about, I mean, everyone outside of Golden State loves to talk about how like KD saved the Warriors after they lost in 16. My argument would be he might have saved Steve Kerr and stunted Kerr's growth as a coach because Steve Kerr takes over in 2014. The 14-15 season is arguably the best season a first-year coach has ever had. Uh, They then followed up with an amazing 15-16 season. Finally, around the playoffs, uh, you know, OKC – found some things out. They didn't successfully knock off the Warriors, but Cleveland finally did. I, you could either way you could point it. Both those teams found something in the Warriors that, you know, like finally exploited something. And that's where you would be looking at a coach to kind of adapt and kind of keep growing, find a new way forward. Well, instead of doing that, they just throw Kevin Durant into the mix. And when you throw KD into the mix, you know, you don't really need to change your team. Yeah. You just need to get everyone on the both ends. You just need to get everyone on the same page, to be honest. Like, it doesn't matter what scheme you're running as much as much as uh, getting all the players they had on the same page. And so because of that, I, I think Steve Kerr probably spent the last two to three years of that run more concerned with just keeping everyone together than worrying about, you know, kind of having to adapt his system or any of that stuff. Gotcha. Now, with Clay, okay? He's coming off the he's coming off the knee, coming off the Achilles now. Do you see him playing that two when he comes back, or do you see him sliding to the three and having to fill that two void? 
I think he's, he's gonna, not going to be able I, to move I, the way he used to. I think he's going to slide down. Like, one, he was already sliding down before the injuries. Like, the difference between Clay in 2014-15 and 2019 is, like, the guy in the earlier years was only guarding ones and twos. And by the end of it, he was switching on to centers if needed. Like, he got stronger. He got better at it. Right. So, I'm not like, as long as he's physically right, I think he'll be fine. But I do agree with you. 31 missing two seasons with two serious lower body injuries. Like the days of him guarding Trey young or like, you know, John Morant or like these quick smaller guards, like he's probably going to be better suited guarding your bigger wings going forward, which is, I think part of the reason they got Kelly Oubre part of the reason they're looking at like some younger wings. Cause at least that's a, a quicker body to put on those guys. Uh, we'll see who they bring back next year, but I, I would assume going forward that clay is kind of, He's going to move to guarding the bigger wing instead of the, the quicker one. So do you so do you go for a trade for, shall I say, a, a guy like Lonzo who could be on the ball more and slide Curry to the two? Or are you attacking that two-guard spot in the NBA draft? I, I, any way you could get – like Lonzo would be perfect. I don't, And it doesn't take a genius to see that Lonzo would fit what the Warriors do really well right like I don't know how available he is I don't know if the Warriors are willing to pay the price to get him but like any way you slice it they need to put a younger more athletic player next to Steph and Clay Steph's 33 he's in great shape but you know um, they need someone in there who's not in their 30s with five bazillion miles on the perimeter just to just to help out like Wiggins and Oubre could potentially play that role going forward but uh, if it's not those guys, Lonzo makes sense. If it's not Lonzo, I don't know. The, the draft is full of wings, but they're all going to be 19, 20. So right. what are you going to really do there? I mean, it, it is something they have to consider. And it is something they're trying to figure out now with kind of this roster of young guys and flyers, right? Right. And someone just said Jalen Suggs. I doubt the Warriors. Are they going to be able to to draft that high? Well, they have the Wolves pick. And oh, so oh, nice, nice. So it's t- it's top three protected. So right now, sixty percent chance it conveys at four or five, forty percent chance the wolves keep the pick. So any way you slice it, we're, we're waiting on ping pong balls. But honestly, even if they get Jalen Suggs, who looks probably the second most pro ready, like Cade looks a little more pro ready than him, but like it's kind of one A one B. They're still rookies, right? They're still young rookies. Right. They're still guys who I don't know that I want. If if you have like, if you're thinking of playing deep in the playoffs, you you don't want to be counting on a rookie like that to play forty minutes a game. Facts, facts. All right, okay, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Ah, right, we'll keep it moving. Francis, you there? Hello. Yo, what's up, guys? Hey, what you got for us? All right. So I liked your measured take on just Jordan Poole. Uh, like I heard the podcast with Ethan Strauss yesterday, and I immediately thought, you know, who is he brunching with on weekends, Kirk or Kent? <laughs> uh, you know, because that was the most outrageous Jordan Poole take I ever heard of my life. You know, this, two weeks ago, this guy was not an NBA player, and he has three good games uh, you know, which all came out in huge blows. Yeah, he's shooting hot right now. But uh, to say that he's a lottery uh, draft pick in 2019 is absolutely insanity. 
like uh you know there has to be some lake of payola going did on you there. did you see that sham god he pulled off in traffic though not a lot of guys can do that yeah that's yeah. right there i know exactly he did bring that up like uh he does look way more comfortable his shot is looking way better obviously he's super hot but it's still not like a fluid uh like clay curry shot right it's well those are the two best shooters of all time yeah so. yeah but i'm saying it's, it looks much much closer to like andrew wiggins like corner mechanical shot than uh you know a clay or something uh it, it's a bit flat but yeah who knows who's holding on but like you know i, I think the the hype around his games recently or is way overblown and, and stress needs to calm down he needs to be <laughs> but yeah right. that's my comments later guys appreciate it francis i will say this everyone's looking for players who can shoot off the dribble and create off of that jump shot. Steph is obviously the best player on the Warriors at doing that. Jordan Poole might be the second best player on the Warriors at doing that. I don't know what that means going forward, but you, it's worth exploring until you have determined that it's not going to work. I think at minimum, he's got a future in the league as kind of a heat check guy, six man, kind of something like what Jordan Clarkson's doing this year. And I think it's in the Warriors' best interest to kind of play him extended minutes. And you know what? If you find out those limitations start harming the team when you play him 30 minutes a game, then so be it. But that's the only way to find out. All right. Let's bring up Saeed. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Good. How you doing, man? Good, good. So with EP out for the next seven days, are we are they are they are they gonna finally let him go? Or what's what do you think is gonna happen with EP? Pascal? Um yeah. no, no, they're not. I mean, he's, I mean, he's not looking we'll, great, you know? No, and he's kind of in a positional glut, right? Like, he's best at the five, but they already have James Wiseman. Um, how many projects can you have at one position, particularly if they can't play other positions? Um, I think they're just going to ride it out. And I kind of projected they were going to make more than one trade at the deadline. Maybe they won't, but he's a player I would not be surprised if they traded to get someone else. Uh, otherwise it's just kind of, it's a holding pattern. They're just trying not to give away players for nothing at this point because they're capped out. Like that's the thing we always kind of forget when we're discussing the Warriors. They don't have money to go get guys in free agency. Everything has to be a trade. So even if Eric Pascal doesn't look like a player is going to play for them for the next five years, they kind of need to work with it until they find. But what about these Gordon rumors that were, that were, that were coming out by Chris Haynes? He said the Warriors were interested. Do you think they package Ubre or something? Wait, stay Gordon. away from Aaron Gordon. Stay away from Aaron Gordon. So we're talking Aaron Gordon, Eric yeah, Gordon, Aaron Gordon, or Gordon Aaron Hayward. Gordon. We're talking Aaron, Aaron Gordon, Gordon from Orlando, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I mean, let me chime in here, Sam. Just on Aaron Gordon, not on the prospect of acquiring him, just his game. I think he's being so overrated personally. Like, he's good, maybe as like a fourth kind of piece. He's not a number three to me because he just doesn't generate enough offense like reliably and consistently and efficiently he can be great defensively but i mean i don't know man like i hear the rockets wanting to trade for him and and a lot of rockets fans get excited about it and i just don't think there's anything kind of he's he's like um it's kind of like a rudy gay man not skill wise but just like he's that he's got that contract he's got like that level of production that borders on all-star but isn't quite and definitely isn't in the context of how he gets it and you know i don't know i just don't think he's like a Oh, for sure. No, I was just saying because they said that the Warriors were potentially interested. So here's, they want to trade for that. Here's my read. I think 
it's to get out of Wiggins contract. They're looking at a scenario where if they could trade Wiggins for, let's just say Aaron Gordon and Terrence, and Terrence Ross. Now we're talking about like, they're all flawed players in the context of like, you know, stars or anything, but now you're talking about trading, let's say one player who has limitations for, for two players in your rotation. I think that's why they're interested in it. I can't see them trying to just bring on Aaron Gordon uh, in con in, in addition to having Wiggins and Ubre because they're all kind of the same player. Like they have little different strengths and weaknesses, but none of them are reliable shooters. Uh, they're all kind of inconsistent as playmakers for others at best. So that that's how I read it. Yeah, that, I thought the same. Awesome, thanks, man. All right, appreciate you, said. Let's move forward. Ricky, what's up, man? Yo, what's up? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. So let's talk trades. So I, I know that, you know, most of Warriors Twitter has been talking about Bradley Beal and Zach Levine the past few weeks. But what about, you know, a guy like Norman Powell? You know, the, the Raptors have, have not been doing too well. They just lost their sixth in a row. Um, he's a former UCLA guy, which is why I think Bob Myers would like him. So um, what would you say on a potential Norman Powell trade? I mean, he can shoot, which is better than 90% of the roster. So that's nice. <laughs> no, I'm into it. I what would you give up a draft pick for Norm Powell? Because this is this is the, the the question with like most of these players who you hear rumored to the Warriors who feel like an obvious no brainer in terms of like oh yeah that's a talent upgrade. It comes with a caveat of you have to give a draft pick. Would you give up a draft pick for Norm Powell? Um, uh, not really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Like you'd give up Eric Pascal, right? But do they want Eric Pascal? That's that's kind of where it is. So, you know. yeah, that's 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 kind of what I figured. <laughs> All right, Ricky, appreciate you. We can keep moving. Yo, what's up, fellas? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, good. I I just wanted to talk about uh, Steve Kerr's offensive philosophies for a second. Um, I'm I'm heavy on the the rookie movement that they got with Mannion playing and pool playing. Um, but what I hate most about Kerr, and it's funny that we have a Rockets fan on, is is that he doesn't go away from his system, right? So in the, which I get, I totally understand. But in a in a good game against good competition, like we've seen against the Lakers, the Clippers, that offense just doesn't work. Draymond's not getting those gimmick assists. He's not getting the same looks that they're getting, right? You play the Rockets today, and the back doors are there. Everything is there. Um, but Kerr's stubbornness to go away from that when they're playing against good competition is it bothers me, right? They played the Rockets and Damian Jones right. played 12 minutes <laughs> and nobody attacked him in pick and roll, not once. You know, I feel like that's something that I think deserves more that should be talked about more. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed that or what your guys' thoughts were, but. No, I agree with you. That's, that's been kind of a frustration where it's like, it's okay to be ultra rigid with your system when you have the talent. Where, like, when the Warriors are running into issues against the Rockets in 2018, I would argue that they weren't executing at the level they should, and it made sense for Steve to kind of stick with what he was doing because, end of the day, they had more talent than the Rockets, just one through seven or eight in the rotation. They had more talent. Um, mm-hmm. This team now, I don't think, has more talent than a lot of the teams they're playing. So you're looking to the coaching staff to come up with little edges, like you're saying. 
when you have Damian Jones in there, attack the guy because he's the weak link. Don't attack LeBron James. Attack <laughs> Damian Jones, right? So that, that's kind of where we're at. I will say with the caveat, they feel like they're in a development cycle. So it's like, why do this stuff? But it's still mm. frustrating. Yeah. The last thing I want to say too, is just like with the bench unit with Wiseman specifically, I feel like if you dumb it down, keep it pick and roll base and attack like mismatches, you can easily post up Wiseman against a smaller guy, right? You're not asking him to post up another center, get switches on a pick and roll, post him up and get, you know, confidence buckets. But you know, that's I'm with you. we're not there. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you overall. It's crazy because we, I had the same, the same, you know, problems and complaints as a Rockets fan, right? D'Antoni didn't adjust. He just had his like baseline system and that was it. And it's wild because it it kind of opens up your eyes to how many high profile guys don't get deep into like crazy, you know, play by play X's and O's. Um and I was gonna ask you, it makes me wonder, Sam, what do Warriors fans think of Steve Kerr as a coach? Because like when he came in the league, obviously got his first title and just rattled him off and people were saying, you know, he he's one of the greatest coaches ever. Has that view changed or you know, I don't watch the Warriors enough to like have a an opinion. It depends. On her. It depends who you ask. Uh, I think this particular group chat here might not say he's the greatest coach of all time. <laughs> I think he's. Um, I think the Warriors' overall issue can be defined by they need a new voice, and that doesn't mean a new head coach or a new GM. But it's very clear that it's been the same system, same philosophy for seven, eight years in a row. And I don't want to say there's a brain drain there, but like, you know, the league moves on and they could really use an outsider voice in some capacity in the organization. I think that probably happens to every team who's had the stability for a long time. The one thing I'll always say is like, everyone loves to point to the Spurs as like the model of consistency, 20 years, Popovich, Duncan, whatever it may be. They were constantly cycling people in and out of the front office and the assistant coaching staff. And I do think that provides value. I do think you get a lot of value when you bring in just a new voice on like, you know, uh, next to Mike Brown or whatever it may be, someone who's willing to challenge the coach and be like, what if we do things this way? You know? Yeah. I mean, dude, I think the Spurs actually changed the way they played a lot over the years, you know, like they got, they started with twin towers, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, and they ended at their peak with, uh, you know, Boris Diaw running like beautiful point forward, you know, like, so I think yeah. they actually adapted a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you can, you can point to various different reasons why, but like, I, I do think it comes down to, you just need different voices. I don't think it's any different than anyone else. And, any job right like sometimes you just need to hear someone else say it so you consider a different angle i agree man and i was all right i was oh oops sorry john what's up my man hey i want to i want to talk to ruth here hey ruth (laughs) i i feel i feel like the 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 rockets are a warning sign for us warrior fans like if we say hey i want to chase these superstars with our, our our pick and i want to sell on our future that we're just going to end up l- like houston and how are you guys feeling right now because i don't think you're feeling too great having watched yeah. everyone walk out the door right yeah. and i and i feel like all these things that we as fans are calling for are just going to lead us down the path of being houston which really i think sucks right now also you're totally wrong about the supersonics um they sold off their guys and actually got parts to help well, well i apologize I apologize for being wrong. I was just dating back to the teams of the 90s. Um, oh, totally. And you owned us. 
because right. I'm from Seattle originally. Yeah, the Rockets owned us during those. Those Actually, no, that no, that's wrong, man. The the Sonics owned us, and the reason we, the only reason we won those titles is because we avoided the Sonics because the Nuggets, as the eight seed, upset the one seed Sonics the first year, and then I think I forget. Who I don't know. We tried to trade Kemp for a large one. People lost their minds, dude. We traded. I don't want. I don't want to derail. I don't want to derail a Warriors chat into a Rockets chat, but we traded <laughs> everyone for Barkley, and that was the beginning of the end for those Rockets. But to your point, I mentioned it earlier. Like I don't, as a basketball fan, I don't want to see that happen to the Warriors, to Steph's Warriors. Like it would be, it would not be just. It would be a, a miscarriage of justice if like y'all went all in and blew up because that is what will happen. And that's one thing I don't like about the NBA today is like, man, not everyone. At the end of the day, man, one team out of thirty wins the whole thing. So don't sell your soul just to have a chance and then to end up like the fucking Rockets. Because I'm telling you, you said how <laughs> you said how are we feeling? It sucks, dude. We've lost what eighteen games in a row. That's crazy. Like, you know, yeah, it's gonna. It, go- no one wants to be in that spot, right? And except so for I, the I Oklahoma. Except for the Oklahoma City pin. Thunder. Continue. Well, I mean, they're owned by a bunch of oil ba- baron bastards. <laughs> Who cares about them, right? Like, they deserve everything they got. I hope their hearts break for n- the next two, three decades. But you know, that's that's me being jealous. Um, so, uh, but no, well, I. That's why I think the Warriors need to hold on to their pick. Right. That's why they need to. The, I mean, hopefully we don't finish um, above 20 so we can hold on to that other one. I wish that they would have used the Wiseman pick on the mellow ball. I don't know how many people in this. Chat uh, we're going to we're going to get into that again. <laughs> no, I, mean, I like White. I like that they went with Wiseman. There are more wings with better options in this draft. Oh, right? my God. The comments. Whoops. I guess I just we've you know, uh, we've gotten a. Uh, a lot of talk out of that one. Um, I'm going to push back on it. By the way, John, we appreciate you. But six eight, a six eight point guard who has that kind of feel and a budding jump shot is not available in this draft. Well, actually, okay, Cade Cunningham, I guess. But that's what we're talking about, right? Like, it, it's not that easy. But I don't want to get into that again. We'll we'll be discussing Wiseman versus Lamelo for the next decade. So my bad. And, and uh, to, to be clear, and I'll say this before I leave. Um, mm-hmm. To be clear, uh, just because you say you want one person over the other, you know, it doesn't mean Wiseman's bad. I see people like, you're tripping, Wiseman's raw. Yeah, Wiseman's good, dude. Wiseman's going to be good. I just, you know, it's just a preference. But, hey, Sam, thank you. Warriors fans, thank you. I appreciate the slander. Uh, at the end of the day, man, we do this and we spend all, all our time on this because we love the game of basketball. So don't forget that. It's never that serious. But appreciate it, man. Appreciate you coming on, Rich. Talk to you later. All right, let me let me power through a couple more people here. Let's see who else we got. We got Jack. Jack Kennedy. What's up, my man? Hey, Sam. How's it going? Good. How you doing? I'm doing good. So, um, you know, I don't want to completely justify, you know, whatever Kerr has been doing this year, but I just want to push back on not you, but obviously other people who are putting too much blame on Kerr this season. Like, for example, let's take the Nico Mannion and Jordan Poole, right? When he put them in together, and people are like, why don't you put pool as the primary ball handler i mean people have to realize that next season barring any changes these are the two people who are going to be on the team next season and they're going to have to learn to play together off the bench now if you put the primary ball as as the primary ball handler you put pool you're making nico Mannion basically a spot-up shooter that's a disaster and at least the other way around Nico has the, I mean, uh, Jordan has the capacity to be a, a spot up shooter, at least to some degree. So I think I understand the reason for why Kurt did it that way that he did it. And another reason is, 
you know, even some games, some people were complaining, why don't you remove Nico Mannion? Why don't you put in, uh, you know, Damian? Do you Peter? think, let me, let me ask you this. Do you really think yeah. Nico is going to be a contributor in the playoffs next year? Because I'm not opposed to him as a player. I just think it's, I mean, he's a one and done who's picked in the second round. I, I think it's a right. little I, I, much. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be a contributor. But at this point, what other option is there? This is our team for unless changes are made. And these two guys are going to be on the team next year. And they're going to have to play together off the bench. Where else are you going to put Nico Mannion? Like playing playing him with Steph in the starting lineup? That's not going to happen. You're going to have to put him in the bench. And then if you have Jordan Poole and Nico Mannion together off of the bench, one of them has to be the primary ball handler. Or at least Nico has the capacity to at least pass and do the things that he can well. Whereas Jordan Poole is a better scorer and a better shooter by far. So it's like you kind of have to find the best of both worlds there. Because we're over the cap. We can't make a whole lot of moves moves unless we uh, trade pieces at this point. And look at it. Who do we have to trade? Except barring like an all-star trade, you only have Oubre and Pascal. That's it. You have no one else. I hear you. I hear, I hear you. Um, no, those are good points. I, I mean, they're going to stick with this for a little bit. So the way... I'm looking at it, even if it's frustrating game to game, is like we're going to have a 20 to 30 game sample and we can start making clearer, I don't want to say decisions, but like clear takes once we've seen Mannion play 25 games. And then, you know, kind of at least you have a better idea of like, well, can he be close next year or not? So right. well, we'll figure yeah, that I out. I do have Appreciate one question you. to ask you, Sam. Oh, go for it. Like yeah. one quick question. I just am curious to know your take. You know, Two games ago against the Lakers lineup, right, where they got killed in the second unit, where they put Mannion in. If you remove Mannion and you put in uh, Damian Lee, would they still not have been blown out? Like, I just think, like, they don't have that much flexibility in their unit. Well, I think the reason you do it is you want to see how Jordan Poole looks at point guard. Because to me... Oh, not Jordan Poole. I'm saying, like, removing Nico Mannion because people were going to remove him because he was bad. And you put in well. What, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, if you put Damian Lee in, you are now mm-hmm. saying Jordan Poole is a point guard. So a lot of the reason for me wanting Manning removed from the rotation is to see what Jordan Poole looks like as a point guard. Because if Jordan Poole can play point guard, he's a lot more valuable. Because given his size, he's not a um, he's a little bit between it, right? He's either a small shooting guard or a tall point guard. So yeah. that's where it's a little frustrating. I think you play the point guard position. Maybe he can't. Just want to see it. Right. That's fair. I right, appreciate, appreciate you, Jack. All right. Speaker list is done. Uh, we're going to get this going. Appreciate all of you. This will be out in pod form tomorrow. You guys have a good night. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. 
Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.